life, there can be, uh, I think for most of us, a- at least a brief tendency to think, you know, this is the way things are going to be from now on. Like when, something, w- when something goes well at work, you close an account, you get a big sale, uh, you get a promotion, you get a bonus, then, then there is a, maybe a tendency to think, all right, I, I'm at this new level now. I'm going to keep going up from here. Momentum is going to lead to more momentum. Success is going to lead to more success. It's going to keep going in this direction. We do that sometimes with our family, with our kids. Uh, if you're a parent, you know, kids kind of, they go through those stages or really tough times and really good times. And there's there's always that hope uh, when, you, when you hit one of the good, easy seasons with your kids. There's always that hope of, okay, we got it now. Like, it's moving. We, our parenting's starting to pay off. They're, we're never going to have any more kid problems after this. You will. But we think that. Like, when, when there's a good moment, we think, okay, all right, now, now it's moving. Now everything's going to keep being this this way like when you're leading 14 to 3 at halftime you think okay like this is gonna it's gonna keep no South Carolina fans never think that but yeah we 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 think the momentum's just gonna keep going like up and to the right getting better and we we think it's gonna get easier like we put in the work we did the thing and now we're in this new phase and it's, it's going to come easy now and 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 sometimes it works that way right? sometimes hopefully it works that way a lot of times for you you kind of clear a hurdle you get to a good space and then you just keep going forward it just keeps getting better things just keep going well for you but but you've probably encountered what i have and that is sometimes, not every time, but sometimes you have this really good moment and on the heels of that really good moment is this really challenging time that you didn't see coming, you didn't think it was coming, you thought you were past all of that and it's right back there. The hard time is right back. Sometimes it's something you, you, didn't, you didn't expect. Like We've never experienced this before. This is a whole new bad thing that's coming to life those are always fun right the unknown we've never had this before thank you um for one of the times for me i tell you this is this is not a big one but one of the times for me is on the back ends of vacation have you ever had this happen doesn't happen every time but for me love some vacation like vacation's great pro vacation like to go on vacation right now as a matter of fact love love me some vacation when i go on vacation you you may be similar it takes me a couple of days to gear down like for my mind to stop going a million miles an hour me be worrying about everything that's back at home just to be able to breathe and relax and really get in vacation mode so about halfway through, I'm, I'm, I'm there, I'm enjoying it, I, I'm not stressed out, and, and then very often as we're coming back, I'm thinking, all right, I'm refreshed now, I, I'm going to be creative, I'm going to tackle some projects I've been putting off, I, I got all my energy, I'm just going to be gung-ho, and maybe this has happened to you, walk right back in, and there's like this big catastrophe waiting for you, yeah, I see those heads, yeah, they're like this. You, you walk right in, and somebody says, we didn't want to tell you this when you were on vacation, but this whole thing kind of fell apart while you were gone, and you get to fix it now. Now, you've walked into some of those. Like back into vacation, you think, whoo, I'm going to be super productive, and then you just walk into a brick wall when you walk 
walk right back in. Life is that way sometimes. We, we don't want it to be that way. We hope it's not going to be that way. We hope it's just going to keep getting better and better. But it doesn't always do that. Uh, we left off our study of Acts in Acts chapter 6, verse 7, and there's kind of these summary statements that form six sections to the book of Acts, and that's kind of how we're organizing this series. The first section ended like this in Acts chapter 6, verse 7. So the word of God spread. The number of disciples in Jerusalem increased rapidly, and a large number of priests became obedient to the faith. So we left off with this incredible momentum. The Holy Spirit comes at Pentecost. Thousands of people give their life to Christ. People go back to their homes with the gospel. The church in Jerusalem is, is strengthened and is, is growing, and disciples are being added to the church. And if we were writing the story, like if you were the author, you had the pen, you and I would write, and it just kept on going. It just went like wildfire, and, and the gospel was going crazy, and people were coming to Christ, and good times just kept happening. But that's not how the story goes. Instead, this is the very next scene after this wonderful moment in Acts 6-7. Now, Stephen, a man full of God's grace and power, performed great wonders and signs among the people. Opposition arose, however... From members of the synagogue of the freedmen, as it was called, Jews of Cyrene and Alexandria, as well as the province of Cilicia and Asia, who began to argue with Stephen. Thousands of people come to Christ. Immediately, opposition arose. Opposition arose. Things got hard. It goes on. Verse 11. Then they, this is the... Um, this is the religious leaders who are tired of hearing from Stephen. Then they secretly persuaded some men to say, We have heard Stephen speak blasphemous words against Moses and against God. So they lie. So they stirred up the people and the elders and the teachers of the law. They seized Stephen and brought him before the Sanhedrin. They produced false witnesses who testified, This fellow never stopped speaking against this holy place and against the law, especially when it comes to the things of God, because they are eternal, they matter, they're really, really important, especially when it comes to the way God works. There is sometimes a, a, a belief on our part that good things are going to lead to good things, and there's going to be a positive payoff for positive things, and the work of God is just going to keep going at the same pace. It's going to keep growing at the same pace pace and here's an example in the book of acts where things are going well and opposition arose problems started here's something you have probably already learned from your life if you haven't if you keep living you will learn this life rarely moves in a straight line life rarely moves in a straight line like from this thing to that thing to that thing, just all ordered out, like some of life does. There's like some seasons maybe where that happens, but you live long enough and you find out that life zigs and zags, right? Some of you are in the middle of that. Like you run into brick walls sometimes. There's bumps, there's catastrophes. There are turns you didn't see coming. There are forks in the road, and you don't want to take either one of them, but you have to take one of them. Life rarely moves in this straight line of always getting better, something always growing, something always being better. It's filled with opposition. 
And when that happens, when you and I face that in our life, we have to ask ourselves this question. Will difficulty make me question and quit, or will it make me determined? Because challenges can do either one. Will, difficult, will difficulty make me question and quit, or will it make me determined? I, I think most of the times we face challenges, they bring with them a certain amount of questioning. That's not a bad thing. Kind of reevaluating, that can be a very good thing. But sometimes difficulties make us question everything. They begin to, to suck the energy out of our life. We even begin to question our past successes. Was that real? Was that an accident? Was I just lucky? Was that supposed to happen? Is that ever going to happen again? When we face challenges, that questioning can lead us in one of two directions. It can cause us just to shut down, just to quit, just to say, I'm done. I can't do this anymore. I'm tired of this. Or... It can cause to rise up within us a new determination that I'm going to see this through. I'm going to keep moving forward. I'm going to keep walking forward. I'm not going to pack it in. I'm not going to quit at this point. Yeah, I was not expecting this. I was not expecting to be here. I was not expecting to have to deal with this. But now that I'm here, I'm going to keep trusting God. Immediately after the early church started. It had this explosive growth, and almost simultaneously, it met with hostility. It met with opposition. It met with tragedy. It met with struggles. This is Acts 7, verse 57. At this, Stephen has uh, kind of stated his case. He said, no, actually, I love Moses, and I love God, Here's what all of that's about. It's pointing to Jesus. Uh, Stephen gives, shares his testimony, like points people to Jesus. Verse 57, at this they covered their ears and yelling at the top of their voices, they all rushed at him, dragged him out of the city and began to stone him. Meanwhile, the witnesses laid their coats at the feet of a young man named Saul. While they were stoning him, Stephen prayed, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. Then he fell on his knees and cried out, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. When he had said this, he fell asleep, which was Luke's way of saying he died. And Saul approved of their killing him. So not just a little bit of opposition. Stephen's murdered. As the church is growing, as the gospel is going out, opposition Arose And it went beyond just this one person. It wasn't just this one person who felt it. Acts chapter 8 and verse 1, right after what I just read, the Bible says, On that day a great persecution broke out against the church in Jerusalem, and all except the apostles were scattered throughout Judea and Samaria. So everybody felt this. Everybody in Jerusalem felt the pressure that was coming, the opposition to their belief, the opposition to the way they were choosing to live, the opposition to their commitment to Jesus. Everybody was feeling it. We could pause for just a minute. Let me say just a, a couple of quick comments, and we'll jump back into the story. As it relates to persecution, let me just make a couple of side comments. One comment is, you and I shouldn't go looking for persecution. That's not the point of the story. We shouldn't go looking for persecution. And I, I, I think some people 
their spiritual identity is wrapped up in who is against them or, or what thing is, has wronged them or, or what thing they've been offended by and then they label that as persecution. I, I think uh, other people are uh, in their, the, the way they express themselves are um, cruel and, and hostile and at times mean and people push back on that and they call that persecution but that's not persecution that's what happens when you're a jerk right that's just what happens when you when you're just not persecution you're just a jerk um so some people build their christian identity around everybody's against us everything's falling apart and and look there's some there's some, there are people who don't believe what you believe or what I believe. There are people who aren't open to religion and faith. We just need to be careful looking at everything in the world as persecution because everything in the world is not persecution. And some of us kind of seek that out, and I'm just cautioning you, take a step back from that. Right? Take, go on vacation. That might help you as well. Another thing related to that, and this is just, this is just honesty, this is verifiable just as, as we're talking about this issue. You and I, we don't experience this level of persecution in the place and time that we live. Let's just be honest about that. Um, it, it can be very helpful when you're reading the Bible to kind of put yourself in the story. Sometimes that can be very helpful. Like insert yourself, if I were Stephen, what would I have done? If I were there, if I were one of the believers and who got scattered and had to leave their home, what would I have done? It can be very beneficial to put yourself in the story or ask, how can I apply this story to my life? With this type of story, we need to be very careful because we just don't face what Stephen faced. Not, not here, not where we live. Uh, not, not in our country. Again, that's not to say there aren't people who believe differently. Uh, there aren't people who, are some, are, who may be hostile to what you believe or what I believe. But when it comes to this word persecution, being martyred, let's just remember that ain't us. Okay? That, that ain't us right now. Over the past 20 or 30 years, uh, the court systems have been very consistent in upholding religious freedom case after case after case thank goodness okay we live in a country where we have religious freedom and that is a wonderful wonderful thing so let, let's not insert ourselves into the story in the role of Stephen okay we're not living Stephen's role at the same time you, you do face challenges you do face difficulties opposition does arrive from life Anybody ever feel like life was opposed to them? All of us, like nothing was working out. Everything was hard. Everything was difficult. You face tragedies as I do. What does this episode in the early church teach us about walking through challenges, walking through difficulties? Here are a couple of principles. Number one, struggles don't keep God's purposes from advancing. They often become the path he uses they don't stop God when life gives you something you weren't expecting that doesn't stop what God is doing in your life when difficulties enter into your life that you weren't expecting that doesn't keep God from doing what he wants to do in your life very often that's how God is putting you where he wants you 
Very often, that is God teaching you what he needs to teach you. It's becoming a vehicle through which God wants to use you. We, we read this verse earlier, but, but I want to put it, pull it back up. Acts chapter 8, verse 1. On that day, the day Stephen was martyred, on that day, a great persecution broke out against the church in Jerusalem, and all except the apostles were scattered throughout Judea and Samaria. If you were here last week, do you remember specifically where Jesus said the gospel was going to go? Acts 1.8, Jesus said to his disciples, you're going to receive power, the Spirit's going to come on you, you're going to have what you need, and you're going to be my witnesses in Jerusalem and, what was the next spot? Judea and Samaria. Remember that? And then the uttermost parts of the world. You're going to be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria. When the church is scattered... They are, scattered, they are scattered exactly where Jesus wants them to take the gospel, Judea and Samaria. When they flee persecution, they end up exactly where Jesus wants them. Acts 1.8, Jesus says, gospel's going out to Judea and Samaria. Acts 8.1, their suffering causes them to end up in Judea and Samaria. What's happening in your life? I'm not saying that God wanted the struggles in your life i'm not saying he caused the tragedy tragedy in your life it's a little bit of a different discussion what i'm saying is even the hardest things in this life are vehicles through which god uses us vehicles through which god puts us where he wants us vehicles through which god allows us to join his plan listen your struggles aren't ending god's work in you they're getting you to the place where God wants to accomplish his work in you. Your struggles, they're not the end of God's work in you. They're getting you to the place where he can accomplish his work in you. So when you face them, keep believing that he's up to something. Keep believing that he hasn't abandoned you, but he is walking with you, journeying with you to the place that he wants you to be. So next principle, continue to be faithful wherever you find yourself. It may not be where you saw yourself at one time. Again, life rarely moves in a straight line. Now, you may look around today and think, I didn't think I would be here. Like five years ago when I was looking at my life, 10 years ago when I made my life plan, like this is not where I thought I would be. Okay, well, just be faithful there because that's where you are right now. And you may end up somewhere else later. You, God may take you somewhere else later. But right now, where you are, continue to be obedient. Continue to be faithful. Continue walking with God. Even if it's not where you chose to be. Even if it's not where you wanted to be. Listen to verse 4 of chapter 8. Those who had been scattered preached the word wherever they went. Did they want to be scattered? Didn't want to be scattered. They want to leave their homes. Didn't want to leave their homes. But wherever they went, they just kept living for Jesus. Wherever they ended up, they just kept telling other people about Jesus. Wherever they ended up, they just kept sharing their faith. They just kept being a light for Jesus. Salt in a world that needs somebody to speak for Jesus. When they were scattered, wherever they went, they just kept telling people about Jesus. This one's kind of long. The struggle... The burden, the unexpected, the disappointment, whatever word you would use for your hard situation. Just insert that word. 
The struggle, the burden, the unexpected, the disappointment is not an excuse to abandon what God has called you to do. It's just a new environment for you to be who he's called you to be. Whatever that thing is that you didn't expect, that road you didn't think you would be on, it's not an excuse to quit. It's not an excuse to drop out in your faith. It is a reason to figure out, God, why do you have me here and how do you want to use me here? God, why do you have me here and how can I be used for the kingdom of God where I am? Now, we get this kind of general idea. The believers were, were scattered. They kept telling people about Jesus, all of them. And then we get a very specific example of one guy and what he did. His name's Philip. His story begins in verse 5. Philip went down to a city in Samaria and proclaimed the Messiah there. Now, there is not where Philip thought he was going to be. It's just there. He was there, and so while he was there, he continued to share the gospel. Same thing for you. You're going to end up in some theirs that you didn't pick. You're going to end up in some places, some circumstances, some situations that you didn't pick, you wouldn't pick, you wish you could undo. And God's going to give you opportunity to be faithful there if you'll trust him. Here's another example from Philip. This is verse 26. Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, Go south to the road, the desert road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. So he started out, and on his way he met an Ethiopian eunuch, an important official in charge of all the treasury of the Kandake, which means queen of the Ethiopians. This man had gone to Jerusalem to worship, and on his way home was sitting in his chariot reading the book of Isaiah the prophet. The spirit told Philip, go to that chariot and stay near it. Then Philip ran up to the chariot, heard the man reading Isaiah the prophet. Do you understand what you're reading, Philip asked? How can I, he said, unless someone explains it to me. So he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. Philip's not where he's supposed to be. He's there. He's not where he thought he would be. He's there. God says, walk down this road. He walks down that road. As he's walking down the road, God says, go up next to that chariot. He goes up next to that chariot. In it is an Ethiopian official reading from the book of Isaiah. Philip says, do you understand what you're reading? He says, no. Philip explains Jesus, starting in the book of Isaiah. If you know the rest of the story, like a few minutes later, the Ethiopian official sees a body of water and says, why don't you baptize me right here? Just, just let's, I, I want Jesus. I want to trust Jesus. Just baptize me right here. Now, you and I know that every conversation with another person doesn't end quite like that. Maybe they will some. Not all of them end that way. That's not the purpose of the story. The purpose of the story is saying, hey, you, you need to move towards people the way Philip did. Like in your life, wherever you are, wherever there is for you, move, move towards people the way Philip did. God wants to use you. God wants to use your story. God wants to use your faith. God wants to use what you have experienced. But the way God uses you is by putting you close to somebody else where you can share. And here's the thing, when you get comfortable with, when, when you're willing to share your story with another person, when you're willing to open a spiritual conversation with another person, when, when, we, when you're willing to ask someone if, if you can pray with them or, or, or if they need to talk to somebody, 
Philip's story reminds us you never know how God is at work in another person. You never know what's happening on the other end. Philip felt this prompting to go up to this chariot and then to sit down and have a conversation with this Ethiopian. He had no idea that the guy had just come from worship. He had no idea he was reading the book of Isaiah. He had no idea that he had all of these spiritual conversations going on. And you don't know most of those things either about the people around you. Like you don't know what God's doing in your neighbor right now spiritually unless you've talked to them. You don't know what God is doing in the person who works in your office. You don't know how God's preparing their heart for you to have a conversation with them. You never know how God's working on their heart. Our role is to be faithful. Our role is to step into those conversations to open the door that God might use us where we are in the life of somebody else. And one person matters. One person having that conversation with another person matters. One person giving an invitation to someone matters. We have, um, if you're new, we have an information luncheon at our church. We offer it a couple times a year, and we feed you lunch. It's right after this service, and uh, I tell you about our church. We ask questions, tell you how you can get more involved. It's called Next. It's our information luncheon. If you've been through Next, then you know we ask everybody to fill out a form just to make sure we have all of your information correct and it gives you an opportunity. If you want to serve somewhere, you can let us know that. Tell us a little bit about yourself. One of the questions on the form is, how did you find out about Journey? And not everybody answers the question. Some people leave it blank. But a lot of people say, well, this is how I found out. August, we had a great luncheon room full of people there were uh, uh, of the forms turned in 10 of them answered that question so 10 people and or couples some of the forms were for a couple 10 people and or couples answered the question how did you find out about journey here were the answers from those 10 forms friends family member friend friend so many ways, which I think that probably includes a person, like somebody, probably a friend or a family member in those so many ways. Uh, next one was family member, Christmas lights, which brought joy to my heart. <laughs> Christmas lights, 99 days till Christmas, by the way, just if you're keeping track, if you're keeping track, 99 days till Christmas. Uh, and then friends, friends, family. Ten forms were turned in. They represented 12, 13, 14 people, something like that, because some of them were couples. Ten forms were turned in. Eight of them specifically answered the question, how did you find out about Journey with another person told me? Another person told me. Another person invited me to come to church with them. Another person asked me if I would come. And so many ways, probably people in that one too. Nine out of ten, it was, it was a person who just, gave an invitation it was a person who just invited someone to church that still matters more than anything when it comes to faith another person giving an invitation look we we have a billboard on 78 it's awesome i love it we're going to keep it we do social media ads 
Uh, we, we pay money for social media ads. We get some traction on those. We're going to keep doing that. We do mailers sometimes. We're out in the community. We have our signs. We're, we do stuff in schools. So there are a lot of ways we promote our church. Last August, room full in our information luncheon, 10 forms answered that question. Eight of them specifically said, we came here because somebody we know asked us to come. Somebody we know. It still matters. It's still powerful. That spirit that Jesus talked about in Acts chapter 1 that would give power, that would give confidence. At other times, he said it'll give you wisdom. He'll, he'll help you know what to say because that's what keeps some of us from inviting friends. That's what keeps some of us from sharing our faith. I don't think I'll know what to say. This spirit that Jesus talked about in Acts chapter 1, he's still doing his thing today. You have him if you're a follower of Christ. You have him in you. You, you have all the power of these early disciples. And so my question for us to consider, not to answer, my question for you to consider for yourself is when is the last time you've done that? When is the last time you've just extended a simple invitation? Hey, come sit with me at my church. Really like our church. Would you come sit with me? When is the last time you opened a spiritual conversation with someone? Ask if you could pray with them. Ask, ask what they thought about spiritual things. Entered into that place just to see what God would, done, would do. Again, you don't know what God's doing in that person's life until you ask. You don't know how he's working in their life until you ask. You don't know how they might respond to a simple invitation of coming to church with you until you ask. Until you ask. One more thought, really quick. We read the stoning of Stephen and... We kind of went by it pretty quickly. Unless you're real familiar with the story, you may have missed it. Uh, as they were stoning Stephen, they put all of their coats at the foot of a guy named Saul. He's standing there watching the whole thing. And then a few verses later, as Stephen is dying, Luke narrates at that point and says, this guy Saul, he approved of all of that. He approved of this killing. He approved of this murder. And he was persecuting other Christians at the same time. He's doing violent things to other Christians all over the place. And yet, the church is scattered, the believers are scattered, and in chapter 9, that same Saul is walking down the road and is blinded by a light, and Jesus begins to call to him. Begins to extend an invitation for him to leave his life of persecuting the church and instead join the kingdom of of God and, and, and God Jesus eventually says I want you to go to this house I want you to stay there and then he gets a guy named Ananias he said I want you to go pray for that guy so that he can see again and Ananias is weirded out by it because he knows who that is and what he's been doing but he goes anyway prays for Saul Saul gets his sight back and Saul who we later call Paul becomes the the most significant missionary in the second part of the book of Acts. He writes more of the New Testament than any other author writes the New Testament. Opposition arose. Stephen lost his life. The church is scattered. But behind the scenes, underneath all of the chaos, underneath all of the things we would have questioned, we would have doubted God about, we would have asked God why he was doing those, underneath all of those things 
An Ethiopian was coming to Christ. Paul was coming to Christ. The believers, wherever they went, they were sharing Christ. The kingdom was growing so much so that this section ends in verse 31 with the words, Then the church throughout Judea, Galilee, and Samaria enjoyed a time of peace. Nothing we've read suggests peace, right? But Luke, as he's narrating, said, you know what all of this led to? You know what we got to? Because God's people were faithful, they enjoyed a time of peace and was strengthened. Living in the fear of the Lord and encouraged by the Holy Spirit, it increased in numbers. It just kept growing. just kept growing. Persecution couldn't stop it. As a matter of fact, persecution became the vehicle through which it grew. Because God's people wouldn't stop. God's people wouldn't stop believing. They wouldn't stop trusting they wouldn't stop following your struggles your disappointments your failures your tragedies they are the fertile ground for god to work his growth in your life they are the fertile ground for what god wants to do in your future don't let your difficulties keep you from experiencing what God is trying to do in you. Don't let them keep you from experiencing what God is trying to get you to. What He's going to do on the other side, just keep being faithful. God, thank you that we look back on our spiritual brothers and sisters, fathers and mothers from thousands of years ago and how they felt the weight of opposition how they experienced hard times, but wherever they went, they were faithful. Wherever they went, they just told people about Jesus and God, help us to be those people. Help us to live like that. All of us have experienced twists and turns that we didn't see coming. We have, we have been in some theirs that we didn't expect to be in. But we rejoice in knowing that you are there with us. You are guiding us. You are strengthening us. You are shaping us into someone new if we will just keep being faithful. I pray for that person who's here today. I pray for that person who, who's struggling with something, who's, uh, who's burdened by something, who's disappointed with some aspect of their life or where things are. Remind them that they may not see it yet. They may not understand it yet, but underneath what they see is chaos. You are working good and grace and kingdom power, for it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.